Hello and welcome to Retrospective Replay, Episode 7, a serialised podcast on video games. This is Season 1, Vagrant Story. My name is Ian, and with me tonight is Michael. Hello. Hello, Ian. How are you? I am a lot better than last week. Um, I think I mentioned that we had a delay in recording due to personal injury, and I've managed to break my face. Well, <laughs> now you have a face for radio or <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame I don't have a voice for podcasting, but it's fine. We rejoin the game at the Snowfly Forest We've just had an encounter with Rosencrantz and his introduction. When we load, we end up in the Fairy Circle, which is the first area of the Snowfly Forest. We move up the only exit that we can, and another cutscene immediately starts. Ashley walks off into the forest. Rosencrantz comes back up the stairs looking at Ashley. The music awakening starts to play. Rosencrantz says to himself, he really went in there. The snow flies will mark his grave, I fear. The camera then cuts to the bottom of the stairwell and it's looking up behind Rosencrantz. A voice from off screen at the bottom of the stairs says, ah, there you are, Rosencrantz. He turns and Grissom walks up with two knights. Rosencrantz greets Grissom as if they've known each other for a long time and Grissom wants to know where Ashley went. The reply is that he went through the wood and he asks Grissom if he's going to follow him. Grissom then states he must avenge the murder of his brother, Dwayne. So that was a bit of a unexpected twist there, wasn't it? Slightly. Yeah, his brother was Dwayne, and he's going to go and kill Ashley. Get his vengeance. It's kind of like Die Hard 3 at this point. <laughs> Ashley's um, John McClane, and Dwayne and Grissom are the Gruber brothers. The Grubers. And, you know, they were German, and, like, we've not spoken about this, but really, do you remember the two nights that we originally, that we saw the small barrel stay back in the wine cellar, ooh, six weeks ago? The two that were talking about the magic. And yeah. Med- yeah. What we never mentioned, because the way that their language was wrote, that they were probably Scottish. Okay. Because it really? had, like, och and a few things, and it just, it, it read very Scottish. However, Leomond is sort of based on French towns or a French city. You know, you've got the catacombs like you have under Paris. So really, everybody is probably speaking, you know, not French because it's not French. It's set in a it's set in a fictional world. But I bet they all sound exotic, I should say, European. Yeah, but a lot of knights and stuff like were from Norman times. And then for, that's from Northern France. So that's where knights originated. Grissom states that he must avenge the murder of his brother, Dwayne. And Rosencrantz tells him to be wary because Ashley is strong. Grissom signals to his two knights. They nod and run off ahead. Grissom adds, God is stronger. This is where Rosencrantz corrects him and says, The dark is stronger, you mean. Grissom then asks what his business is and did they not have a deal? The deal being that he joins with Sydney to find the key. I was just going to say, at this point, the key, I'm thinking more that Ashley must be the key. 
Yeah, that's what we said last week. I mean, we, it gets into a bit more later about not the key, but the the grimoire, I believe. But the key hasn't yeah. been really been defined yet, has it? I have another theory as what the key is, only because I've played the game before, but I don't want to give away any spoilers right now. Well, something happened later on as well that I thought then might be the key, but anyway. So the deal is that Rosencrantz finds the key. He acknowledges this, but says there is something wrong with Sydney. Who do you think Rosencrantz is working for at this point? So apparently he's working for Grissom. He's working for the Duke. Later on, which we'll talk about tonight more than likely, he's working with Guildenstern. And he's also, just as of the cutscene at the end of last week, he's attempted to befriend Ashley as well. Do you think he's a free agent? He's just playing all bases and he's actually in for himself. Yeah, I think he's in for himself. I think he's trying to use this for his own gains. Yeah, whatever power's there, I think he, he's going to try and take it, to be honest. And he says, he doesn't say there's something wrong with Sydney. he says there's something odd with Sydney. Rosencrantz then says, A veritable bestry of beasties sprung up wherever he shows. However, it's nothing Sydney can't handle. Grissom says then, even the hyena cowers. But Rosencrantz rebutes this and says, Don't be a fool. Hyenas, no caution, in that Sydney is the one summoning the creatures. Grissom assumes that this isn't intended and says, Sydney's cup overfloweth as he calls forth a flood, which he's totally got wrong, really, hasn't he? He seems to think that Sydney is out of control, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to summon things, but in reality, I think Sydney's probably got, although he's flying by the seat of his pants, he seems to have his head screwed on and he seems to have a lot of power as well. Rosencrantz then tells him there is a flood of vermin, but it seems Sydney is manning the sluice. Grissom asks what he means, and Rosencrantz just says, You're a slow one. Sydney is increasing dark energies on purpose. They both speculate as to why, but they don't come up with any answers. Grissom then walks off into the forest, and Rosencrantz gives him the same advice that he gave Ashley last week about the snowflies. We then cut to Ashley, who says, So many snowflies, and we resume gameplay. We are in the Hunt Begins in the forest, and the music is the Snowfly Forest. Now, this section, I kind of remembered it, didn't really remember what it was, but this time around, I could not stand it. Took me ages. It's a maze. Yeah, and it's not just a maze, is it? it? I've been trying to think over the past couple of days how to describe this, so the best way I can describe this verbally, if you can imagine a grid, that's 5x5. Five five. We start at 1-1 one one and one end up at 5-5, five five, and you can only go horizontally or vertically. So you could either go to 1-2, two, 2-2, two two, two, three, etc. to get to the end. However, if you imagine you go from 1-1 one one to 1-2, one but then you end up in 1-5 in the top left-hand side of the grid. That's kind of how this thing works, and it's a total pain. So you can go around in circles. There is a couple of things, actually, the moss grows on the trees on the north-facing side or something, so you can use that to know that you're going in the right direction. Right. In the end, I just ran around aimlessly. I stopped killing the monsters, and I just ran around for about 25 minutes until I stumbled onto where we need to be. There's one problem with the monsters in this world. One of the monsters, you come across one of the first monsters when you go into the forest is a basilisk. But it's a lizard with legs. That makes no sense. 
because a basilisk, everyone knows, is a huge snake. Anyone who's watched Harry Potter should be familiar with the basilisk. It's actually from European legend, a serpent or a, a massive snake that can kill you with a, a single glance. It seems to be a lizard in this game rather than a snake, but it's called a basilisk. And then there's another one, the Ithicius, which is like a flying fish. Yeah, I, I refer to this as a sword bird, like a swordfish. It does, isn't it? It's, it's kind of got like the body of a fish, but wings, but not like wings like a bird, more like wings like a bee or a fly, and then it's got a big, long, pointed, like sword-like nose. That's why I've referred to it in my notes as a, a sword bird, like a swordfish. Which, none of them are difficult, are they? They're both fairly simple enemies. The Probably the strongest attack was the spiral shell by the bird, and it wasn't even that strong. It was like 40, 45 damage. It wasn't too it's bad. just a 9 when you're running around in circles and you're having to fight all these yeah. repeating monsters. And they keep respawning on you. However, it's a nice, nice-looking area. The areas of the forest aren't too big, 6 to 8 blocks wide by 10 to 12 long. Most of them have one exit, one entrance, but some of them are T-shaped pathways, so you get two exits, and you do end up going in circles a lot. However, I do have wrote down here the direct way you need to go. We start at the Hunt Begins, and we go south into Which Way Home. From here, you move on to the Traces of the Beast, into the Fluttering Hope, and this is a boss fight. If you know where to go, you can hit this boss fight within sort of five screens. However, this took me about 20 minutes to get to the boss fight. We start with a cutscene. Ashley walks into a large grassed area. The camera cuts in front of him, and then it moves back to reveal a dragon. The dragon sits up and rolls, and then gameplay resumes. The music Wyvern begins to play. Which, I don't know why it's called Wyvern, because this is clearly a dragon. It's literally called the Earth Dragon. Well, I think they're making mixing up Wyverns and dragons all over the place in this game as well. This dragon as well had an interesting look. He, his head looked a bit like a Triceratops. It did. At first, I thought it was a dinosaur. Yeah, I thought it was a dinosaur as well. Especially because of the setting. You know, it's quite misty. It could very well be, like, Jurassic Park, couldn't it? Insert Jurassic Park clip here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I said that was the fluttering hall, but this is actually... The area is actually called Return to the Land. The boss is the Earth Dragon. It has 510 health points, zero magic. It's Dragon Affinity. It has a special attack acid breath and tail attack. What I noticed was, I did the analyze spell on it. It was resistant to literally everything, but it's very resistant to earth, which makes sense because it's the earth dragon. A is its weakest affinity, which is opposite of earth. It's also weakest to piercing damage. So if you have a rapier that is a affinity that you best attack, but it's not negative sort of affinity. It's like 75 affinity in earth and 25 in air, so it's not weak by any means. Of course, I used my steel rapier, which I named Stick, after I made in the workshop, called Stick. Then I started thinking, is that what, what's her name in Game of Thrones named hers? No, Arya Stark called hers Needle. Needle, okay, that's fine. I thought I was, I thought I was copying Arya Stark, but no, Stick, Stick's way better, clearly. <laughs> you sticked him with the pointy end, that's just... Ah, was it? Okay. I was pulling chains of about 70 to 80 damage, so it didn't take long for me. I hit it in the head. Yeah, the head seems to be was the place that I aimed for, and that worked quite well. Yeah. What was your weapon of choice? The Tavarish again? 
Uh, no, I think it was a rapier as well. There's the Hagane. All right, so you're also using the Hagane rapier. What did you name it? Did you call it anything when you made it? Nope. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, the tail attack was actually quite strong. Talk about 70 damage, but I think it only attacked me once. So we beat this. I got a score of 1,132,277. I got 1,000,000 and 92,520. I also finally got up to Daredevil, so it means that obviously once you get past a million, that's when you get to Daredevil. Because you were Daredevil last time. You've actually caught up to me slightly in terms of score, I believe. Also ranked Daredevil, still ranked Daredevil as well. And I got a bonus of HP plus 3. Yeah, I got the same. In the loot, we get a bronze key, which I think we can use in the mines. So it might be worthwhile taking a trip back. As we'll find out soon, there's a quick way back to the city. Um, and we get a grimoire, a parbreeze, which is French, I believe. Yes, it's French for windshield. Windshield, which is brilliant because the spell is called Aeroguard, which raises your armor infinity. So it's literally a windshield. Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, very. I thought it was a very good name. And again, when I played this 20 years ago, not a clue. Well, how would you? Well, you spoke French 20 years ago. Okay, yeah, but you probably wouldn't notice things like that when you're playing games either. No, I don't think I don't think you would. I'm not even sure if I would notice nowadays. It's probably just the fact I'm looking at this from an analytical point of view for the terms of a podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you never go through the the minutia of of, uh, and that's one of the things that I find is maybe a little bit sad in a way because the people who make the games put so much effort into it, and and maybe a lot of these things are sometimes overlooked. Although I guess part of it's a labor of love, and they just want to, you know, they might put it in for themselves or to do the best they can and, and hope that some people may notice it at some point well we're noticing it and we're telling the world about it yep well, there you go you know this is episode seven episode one went live yesterday and we've had 16 people listen if those 16 people are listening to this episode then that's 16 more people who understand oh by this episode it's probably 160,000. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we can only hope after we defeat this boss, we get another cutscene. It's another earthquake. And Ashley gets down on one knee and says, the winds have changed. And all that means is when you were running around the forest before, there was a couple, I think there was one pathway that was red that you couldn't go through. And when you tried, Ashley said, it is blocked by a swarm of snowflies. And all this means is the winds have changed, means you can now go through this door and this is the way forward. The camera then switches to Grissom, who says, the quake, a sign. And he calls for his two knights, Feindos and Lampkin. Grissom then looks like he's very confused or tired. And then remembers the advice from Rosencrantz. Follow the snowflies. The camera then looks away and he walks off into the distance. We get back to the gameplay and we move off into the yellow wood. This is where the southern exit was previously blocked by snowflies. And now you can move on through to where the soft rains fell. And this was a surprise. There was a fire elemental waiting here for you. I've written def- it was the fire genie again. Yeah, I ran straight past it. <laughs> Did you fight it? Yes. Why not? He was there. It was easier than the first time, but obviously the weapons are better at this point. But I mean, I guess that is one strategy, you know, you can just run instead of fight. Yeah, it was still quite tough. I think you come against another one later, or maybe as I ran around in a circle, but I ran past one and I fought the second. So we move on through to the Forest River. Now, this is sort of the midpoint of the forest. There is a save point and a container. 
I didn't use the container. I think I've probably saved the game. However, this area, it's called the Forest River because there's a river that flows down the middle. And the way to get across is that there is a couple of stone one block wide platforms in the river. So you've got to jump over them and not fall into the river. And you can do it by just... If your agility is quite high, you can jump in or there's an item that you can use to increase your agility that makes you jump a bit further and a bit higher. I didn't have to. I managed to jump across. However, there's two enemies here and it's two zombie knights. Presumably, these are the zombie knights, probably Fendos and Lamkin. Chances are they got separated from Grissom because we never see them again. And for whatever reason, they've died turned into zombies. Didn't think of that. That makes sense because, uh, you know, he's looking for those two. They've went off, wandered off. And Rosencrantz had said the snowflies gather where the dark is strongest. So there's obviously dark in the snowfly forest as well. So You jump over the river and there's a chest on the other side which has got a knuckle guard grip, a circle shield, which is made of steel. I equip that straight away. A silvered ring, a night killer gem, and three acolyte nostrum, which is a portion that restores 100 magic and 100 health. Finally, you get a grimoire, agilite, agilite. So we go over the river, open the chest, and then we leave out of the exit into lamenting to the moon. We run through here which is still part of the forest, into Running with the Wolves. We move east through You Are the Prey, north into the Secret Path. Now, it's another cutscene. The screen turns black. Music, a section of the Greylands Incident Climax, begins to play. Sydney and Grissom are in a field, facing off against each other, and Ashley stands off at the side. Sydney says to Grissom, this is madness, you'll die. The camera then rushes forward into Grissom and it shows that he is hurt and bleeding from the head. Grissom says, I too can summon. It is not your sacred right. Then Grissom starts to summon. Uh, do I try and read out the summon again? Yeah, go on. Have a stab at it. Ericles Salma Lon Smorta. Dirties Full Gend Glomorta. The camera goes to Sydney, who shouts at Grissom, and I say, you'll die. Grissom continues his enchantment. Night of the Shadow, from ancient slumber, the bloody glyph carved in flesh. A purple glyph then appears in the air in front of Grissom. Suddenly it disappears, Grissom spits up blood and tries to say impossible, but he struggles to get its words out, then he collapses down on the floor. Sydney, he has to chip in, doesn't he? Whenever something happens, somebody always has to have a line in this game, I think. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Grissom died trying to summon whatever he was trying to summon. So Sydney says, Very possible. The weak cannot reign in the dark. There are limits to all things. And you have reached yours. He then turns to Ashley and says, The dark is hungry and it is fed. Then from off screen, a voice says, speaking ill of the dead, are we, Sydney? And Grissom's managed to get himself off the ground. He's on one knee and he looks very weak, but he continues his spell and he just repeats what he said before. Night of the shadow from ancient slumber, the bloody glyph carved in flesh. And then he manages to finish it this time. Take my body, lead me as your own. He adds another part of the enchantment on here. Zilda Nizam Son Media. A glyph 
appears, which looks like the same as before, but this time it's sort of three or four times the size and it appears above him. And it's so bright that Sydney and Ashley have to shield their faces from it. The camera then looks back at the glyph and something starts to descend. It's a pair of legs, then a chest and arms, and it's another suit of armor, but this time it's like a Japanese suit of armor. The armor reaches up into the glyph and pulls out a huge samurai-style sword. Looks like like a Japanese Dullahan, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a Dullahan, but again, it's in Japanese armor this time. The boss music Dullahan then starts to play. Grissom then talks about his newfound power and how he feels, you know, like a mortal or something. The battle now starts. So we are in Hewn from Nature, and this battle has a bit of a twist to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The twist is that Sydney and Ash are fighting together against the Dullahan and Grissom. I mean, Sydney is, is helping Ash by putting the spell Protasia as he's fighting the other two, Grissom and the Dullahan. Yeah, so it's quite nice, isn't it, because Sydney basically buffs all your gear for you. Yeah, so this leads me again to think, is Sydney really the bad guy? Plus, it's a big turn of events. It's gone from basically in the opening scenes from Ashley shooting a crossbow into the chest of Sydney and, you know, thinking he killed him, to here now they're fighting together against two other bad guys. We are fighting two enemies now. It was Father Grissom, Crimson Blade Cleric Commander. He has 350 health points and 100 magic points. He is human, but he has also summoned this Japanese Dullahan, which is the Dark Crusader. 380 health points, 80 magic points, which has an evil affinity. And it can do Prestasia, so it can buff itself and Grissom. It can do Degenerate, which saps strength, and Tarnish, which reduces the gear. Now, I didn't really struggle here. The Dullahan, I beat, well, the Dark Crusader, I beat very quickly, and it dropped a sword. It dropped a Katana, which I equipped, and I used that to attack Grissom. How did you find it? No, it was alright. I was just reading, well, I didn't do it, but I was reading up afterwards that you can actually attack Sydney if you want. You can kill Sydney. Right, and what happens? It cuts to a conversation or to dialogue that Sydney says, it's not my time, as he's about to die, and then uh, he teleports away. You can't really kill him, because that would break the game. Yeah, well, that's it, actually. When I played Metal Gear Solid 3 for the first time, which is Snake Eater... And you're playing as Big Boss and you meet Revolver Ocelot early on in the game. And that's the first time they meet. And I think it's after a boss and Revolver Ocelot gets knocked out and you meant to help him. So what I did was I shot him. The game then fails like, and it gives you an achievement for something like creating an impossible time paradox. Because basically from all of Metal Gear Solid, all of, most of the things are, like most of the events are set in motion by Revolver Ocelot, I believe. Yeah, so... If you go back in time and kill him before he gets to do any of that, there is no Metal Gear. And there's no Metal Gear Solid game, the first one. So yeah, I mean, I I guess it's kind of cool that you can do that, but obviously the game won't allow you because it's not the time for it to happen. When you beat Grissom, he says, Father. Father! And then drops to a knee and falls down dead. But he doesn't disappear like the rest of the bosses have. He just falls down dead. We then get the victory screen, and I got a score of 1,235,291. Uh, 1, 1,198,435. We've now covered 31% of the map. We have a rank of Daredevil still, and I got agility plus 3. MP plus 2. So the loot, we get a, I'm sure you'll know about this, am I pronouncing this right? A shale, uh, shale- uh, shaleli. Shaleli. 
it's a, a shillelagh is a thick stick normally it's a blackthorn or oak it's a fighting stick so it's an irish word a shillelagh is that what stereotypical depictions of leprechauns have they always have sticks don't they are they shillelagh yeah so it's a shillelagh yeah. we get a swan song necklace a grimoire anulla which is magic ward which nullifies the next spell it's pronounced annulé annulé sorry to nullify or like to an- annul something means to you know make it void and we get another grimoire gnome which casts soil fusion which raises weapon earth affinity back to another cutscene and it's quite a long cutscene sydney approaches ashley and says to him you reek risk breaker what is that stench then asking if ashley had met rosencrantz ashley says that rosencrantz told him that leomond was a wellspring for the dark sydney asks ashley what he think he means by this and ashley says i've been shown a lifetime of oddities in a day sydney then says you do believe the dark exists yet you do not believe that what you cannot see the dark covers your eyes and you are blind Ashley states there's no proof and is he meant to believe that the earthquakes are an intervention of man, that thousands of city folk and their lives have been sacrificed to make the wellspring, and then wants to know who ordered this, either the parliament or the cardinal? Sydney then says, why don't you ask? And Ashley says, asks who? Sydney replies, the sacrificed, the witnesses. He continues to say, you've impressed me, you truly are a risk breaker, or at least a trained assassin a killer ashley says what nonsense is this and sydney replies memories wrist breaker and then again sydney starts to read ashley's mind so again we are back to the idyllic scene the outdoor field the yeah. picnic under the tree with the family only this time not only ashley is there in, in monochrome but sydney's there as well they are watching the scene over again Ashley says to stop this, but Sydney replies, do not run, watch with your eyes. Now we actually get to see the family talk. Yeah. So the boy's called Marco, and he says, Papa, a sip of water, and the man, who's referred to as Ashley here, says, have some of Papa's wine, Marco. His wife says, wait right there, I'll fetch some water. She stands up, kisses Ashley, and starts to walk off, then adds, don't you dare give Marco any wine. Ashley turns to Marco and says, Wine is sweet like ambrosia. That's true. <laughs> that depends on the wine, I suppose. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't actually like sweet wine. You, um, wines from the south of France, more around Bordeaux and stuff, I think are, are more typically sweet. I'm not a big fan of sweet wines, to be honest with you. I only have sweet wine as a dessert wine. I much prefer something like a Douro from Portugal, is it? Okay. Is that a sweet wine? No, it's a full-bodied red. Uh, I like riocas, like a Spanish riocca or a, a Chilean riocca or something. Yeah. Maybe a Douro is quite similar. Maybe it's like a riocca, but from Portugal. The Portuguese wine that I like is um, obviously port, but that's sweet and fortified. Yeah. So you wouldn't drink lots of that. But th- this scene blew my mind. Yeah, it does. Ashley says, wine is sweet like ambrosia. Marco replies, really? Then they see his wife getting killed. She falls to the ground, and then the killer's face is shown, and it's Ashley. The scene turns grey, but then Ashley and Sydney, who were monochromed, then become coloured, and it all pauses. Ashley says, what? Sydney replies, this is the truth, Ashley. Ashley says, it's madness, it's deception. And Sydney tells him, you doubt what I've shown you? It is your memories that deceive. 
the VKP have burned sweet lies into your soul. Ashley falls to the ground and tells Sydney that he's lying, and then we're back in the Snowfly Forest. Sydney tells him an elite member of the Kingsguard loses his wife and child. A tragedy. He became a VKP risk breaker. This is the lie. He then states that Ashley's memories are false, that he was an assassin, and he mistook the family as his target. Ashley starts to shake his head and says Sid is lying again. Sydney says the VKP twisted this memory to make him the ultimate patriot, but all of his hate should be reserved for himself. Once again, Ashley tells him that he's lying. He said it about six times now. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, his whole life or memory of all of this is, if it's a lie, it's insane. He can't believe it. I mean, because ultimately, he's the one who's massacred that innocent family. It's not his family, it's somebody else's. And that's been used as a a means of controlling him to to work for the VKP. Yeah, so what this reminds me of is Total Recall. Total Recall, this one. Or they remade it with um, Colin Farrell. Yeah, I was going to say Colin Firth, which would be a total (laughs) different film. But um, yeah, it really reminds me of that because the start of that film is exactly this. They've they've changed his memories and he's living with an assassin who tries to kill him. But then again, who's to say if it's true or not? Because this Sydney guy is good at manipulating people as well. So maybe it's Sydney is twisting the truth to get Ashley. So who knows? Ashley says that he lies. Sydney says, do I? Are your newfound abilities not proof enough? You believe Liam Mond responsible. You are remembering the killing arts you learned in a past life. Ashley jumps up and attacks Sydney, but Sydney shows his powers off again by disappearing and rematerializing behind Ashley. Sydney asks what a memory is and tells him that men twist memories to ease pain and that Ashley wanted the VKP to remove the memory and ease him of his guilt. Ashley then asks Sydney what he wants. Sydney just replies, Truth, risk breaker. I just want you to know the truth. Ashley says, I spit on your truth. Sydney says, but you have already begun believing. Am I wrong, Ashley? You have seen demons walk in the city streets, heard the cries of the dead and damned. You deny these things. Are they illusions? What did you see through that woman's eyes? Ashley says, you think you can see the past? And Sydney says, not see. I hear it. Ashley questions this, but Sydney walks away. Ashley stands up and says, wait, Sydney. Sydney replies to him, you want the truth? Then follow me, Ashley Riot. I think Ashley is, as Sydney said, Ashley's coming around to, you know, believing what he's seeing. And, and, you know, he can't just credit it as illusions or whatnot. He's been fighting zombies and he's seen all these dead rising around the place. And everything that Sydney has said is the truth. So is is this reaffirming your theory that Ashley is the key right now? Yes, I think he is the. Uh, he, well, he is. He has some part to play in this. Oh, without a doubt. But what he is going to unlock, or how he's going to be used to unlock, then I don't know. He's a metaphorical key, or he's a part in a puzzle. He's a Pandora's box wrapped in an enigma. He's an onion. <laughs> what was I going to say? There's something as well about um the VKP and this whole risk breaker thing. You know, what is a risk breaker? Why are they called risk breakers? So they're talking about the idea of an elite member of the Kingsguard losing his wife and child, a tragedy. And then he becomes a VKP risk breaker. What was his life previously? He was he was an assassin. It sounds like he was an assassin or a knight. Yeah, but they said he was an assassin and uh, a saboteur in an elite squad. 
So who who was he? Who is he? He doesn't even know who he is himself. No, I don't think so. This is gets more like total recall all the time. He doesn't know who he is or what he did, but he just knows he just knows he's got all these skills. Yeah, because the skills are coming back to him. Uh, but then, why does Sydney want him to ha- to to remember these things? Why does why is Sydney so interested in the, the truth about this? That's what I want to know. How does that fit into the, everything else that's going on around the Grand Grimoire and the Cardinal and the, the Duke and the Wellspring? Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm sure we will. So the gameplay resumes. Uh, if you're eagle-eyed, you probably saw the chest in the corner where we got a corpse reviver sword, a circle shield, and a demonia gem. We then move out of this area and onto a new one called the Wood Gate, which is the last area of the Snowfly Forest, which has a save point. When we go through this wooden gate, we end up in a new area, the City Walls South. The room is the Weeping Boy, and there's no music, which is back to the background growls. And then we were immediately attacked by a lizard man, which barely gives you any time to react, which is a super cheap shot. Yep. Those lizard guys are cheap shots anyway. They just appear out of nowhere most of the time. We're back in one of these sort of... uh, We're back in these city-walled areas, which again, it's only five, six blocks wide, 12, 15 blocks or so long. And there's quite a lot of them this time. So we beat the lizard man and we move on to Swords for the Land. Again, similar style room, but the room locks. And we get a 30 second countdown for three enemies. Not hard enemies, just more lizard men. And we move on. There's only one exit to In Weight of the Four. I've written down that these in my um, notes as lizard people. Because I don't think that, that you can tell what gender they are. And, and you know, they could be women, they could be men. They're lizard people, for being, if we're being politically correct, or you know, they're, they're lizard people. Um, this one actually has another exit in it. And have you noticed if there's a dot for a door? There's grey, which means you can go through. Red is where yeah. you've came, and if it's blue, it means it goes through to a new area. Did not know that. That is interesting. Useful to know. So when we're in this room, there's a blue door on the map, and when you go through it, it takes you back to town centre west in Villiport Way so this skips the entire forest section oh okay so if you want to go back you could get back very quickly to use the bronze key say for instance however we want to move on to where weary riders rest hard to say say that fast three times three more lizards no door locking and we move on the boys training room again three more lizards no door locking I just copied and pasted these notes at this point and we move through and we go to a new area now called the keep and this is the soldiers bedding there's no music it's just wind and there's four doors one where we came one locked with a gold key one that moves on through this keep area however we want to go through to a new area called the iron maiden the room is the cage and the music is the catacombs music. And I would put an Iron Maiden sound clip in here. However, that would get us flagged for copyright issues. What if you sing it yourself? Um, Probably be fine, but I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> an Iron Maiden, though, is... Um... It, Iron Maiden's a torture device, isn't it? It's a... Yeah, it's a torture device. A device, yeah. This is a... It looks like the mines. It's a stairway down. That takes us into a room called the Cauldron. And it's a square room, two exits, but one we can't use on the other side. 
However, we do need something from the enemies here. It's a locking trap room. It has two new enemy types, three enemies in total. There is two gargoyles and a wraith. And a wraith is just like a large phantom. You know when you get like a, you described him as a jelly baby, didn't you? The, the, the phantom. So this is like a giant jelly baby, isn't it? Yeah, this is like a giant version of the purple guy, the, the phantom or the jelly baby. So yeah, the wraith. Which is, yeah, as you say, it's a ghost or a phantom. Or it's also a character in Dead by Daylight, which is another game. The guy who rings the bell and goes invisible. And the one thing that we get here that we need, well, we get a couple of things, but one of them is the Mandrake Sigil, which we'll need later, which is why we came down. Did you not have the thing that the Wraith did the attack on you, though? He had an interesting spell. No, I managed to just hammer him. He had a silence spell, so if he puts the silence spell on you, uh, you can't do magic, which I thought was quite an interesting spell very common in uh, many RPGs that involve magic or silence spell. We get a Grimoire Exorcer, which is a warlock spell which performs exorcism, which I haven't tried, but I assume if you do that on undead or ghosts, it probably causes a lot of damage. Once we beat everything, the door unlocks. The other side of the room has a Terror Rose Sigil, which we don't have, so we have to leave, go back up to Soldier's Keep, and we move on through the other door. This whole area, every time you go through to a new room, there are two doors. Yeah, the corridor with all the lighting signs. Yeah, which which are locked by different sigils. And what I've only just realised now, that every sigil is named after a plant. We've had up to this point, we've had chamomile, lily rose, and then some of the ones here are the azalea, the tiger tail, the marigold. So they're all flowers. But this whole area has optional game content, I think, for your second or third run through. Okay. So it's it's of no concern to us right now. It's inaccessible, I believe. But once you have all the sigils, then I guess you can go into all those doors. Yes. In that corridor. You probably get them end game or maybe it's when you restart the game. Cool. When we move out of the keep, we move into the outdoor keep area and it's more cutscenes. Ashley walks out of the doorway into a courtyard. However, he is shielded in a small entrance. Just up ahead of him, Guildenstern is walking away and doesn't spot Ashley. The music, a meeting, then starts to play. Ashley hides. The camera pans and settles on Guildenstern and Samantha. Samantha is kneeling down. Samantha tells Guildenstern, it is true, there is Kildean lettering here, but what does it all mean? He replies, these are spell songs. Leomond is surrounded by sorcery. Samantha stands up, and the camera starts to rotate around Guildenstern. Guildenstern says, you'll likely find them on every den and dovecote in the city. And do you know what a dovecote is? I, I had to look it up. Uh, no. It's just a small birdhouse for doves, really. Okay. They are turned into buildings as well. Like, they all look like sort of... You ever seen... looks a bit like a mill. You know, it's kind of like a round building with many sides. If you look up a picture, you'll know exactly what it is when you see it. Okay. You'll likely find them on every den and dovecote in this city. This city, it has unchanged these past 2,000 years. Neither the eroding winds or the quakes have sapped its strength. The dark is strongest towards the centre, the great cathedral. I have felt it. 
The camera then switches to look at Guildenstern from above and it zooms out very fast and he finishes with, the entire city is a circle of magic. From off screen, somebody says brilliant. The camera then switches back to our acquaintance, Rosencrantz. He says, a brilliant deduction, my good sir. Top of your class at the academy indeed. Guildenstern turns around and questions Rosencrantz that he knew. Rosencrantz then patronises Guildenstern and says, didn't everyone? The city is a circle, the wellspring, and the book, the grand grimoire, for which you seek, you're standing in it. Leomon is the grand grimoire. So that's quite interesting turn of events. Yeah, it is. It's that the city is the, the grimoire. It's the means of summoning whatever, the devil. Do you think the lettering is the enchantment? Some of the lettering could be the, the enchantment to actually summon whatever they did to try. Or it could be like one of those, you know, those circles with all the glyphs around it. It's when they're activated, it all lights up in a ring or something. Yeah. Very, yeah. The camera looks around the courtyard and settles on Rosencrantz, who was leaning nonchalantly on a stone. Guildenstern asks him, Why did you not tell us? This is betrayal most foul. Rosencrantz then begins to walk closer to him, and Guildenstern protests, Why have you done this? and attempts to read his mind, I think it is. Rosencrantz says, Your memory failed you. The dark holds no power over me, and he adds that they aren't friends, and also his friendship with the Duke is fleeting as well. Guildenstern questions his honour, or lack thereof, and Rosencrantz says, I have it, and I have enough sense not to throw my life away for some fool cause. Then we see Ashley around the corner who was moved to hide from Rosencrantz as he marched forward. Guildenstern tells him, you are naught but a glorified sellsword, you disgust me. Rosencrantz complains that times are peaceful and boring, opportunities must be seized where possible. He then states Guildenstern was using him and he needs him. One thing that he says interesting in his thing is that in those peaceful and boring times, he says there's no rank to be had in killing on the fields of war. Basically, he must create his own opportunities because there is no war. It's peaceful. You can't get promoted. You can't distinguish yourself in battle. He's not going to get any rank or reward in peaceful times. He says it's boring to get ahead and to to get up in the world. He's got to create his own chaos. I missed that out there, but yes, you're right. It's exactly what he's trying to do, isn't it? So that's that's kind of his motive. He's trying to get himself up the ladder of opportunity and get some higher ranks. Yeah. Guildenstern tells him, You are a common harlot. You are born a worm, and you will die a worm. They say it was right to expel you from the risk breakers. Rosencrantz then bows in front of him and says, Such praise, I am not worthy. Guildenstern demands to know where is the key. Rosencrantz begins to say something, but Guildenstern draws his weapon and says, Tell me, or I will see you dead. To which he's replied, You? Kill me? I was a risk breaker, you know. And Sam says, What is this? Guildenstern turns to Samantha, and her eyes are red, and she acts as if she can't see properly. And she starts saying, Where am I? What is this? And she falls to the ground, and adds, Yet I am here. Guildenstern shouts to her to say he is there, and she says, Where are you? This is where Rosencrantz realises that something's going on and he says they are linked. Samantha's rhythm is attuned to his. So who is his? Ashley. It's got to be Ashley. Is it? But I don't know. Why did her eyes go red? 
That didn't happen the last time Ashley was looking through her eyes. That's true, but I think that's explained because next she says he is here and, and he hides. We know Ashley's hiding somewhere nearby. Presumably it's Ashley, but no, you're right. That didn't happen last time, so maybe it's not him and maybe it is, um, it's someone else. Yeah, that's what I thought. The, the fact that her eyes went red... And that she couldn't see and whatnot. Because previously, when Ashley was looking through her eyes, it, she, she just acted as normal. He was able to see what was going on. This is, looks different. Yeah, but Rosencrantz was saying how he wasn't a true seer at the time. And maybe his powers are getting stronger. Mm, I don't know about that. Because that would be weird. Because then it makes it seem pointless. Because if it's a reaction, now she knows what's going on. Then his powers are worse. Yeah, that's very true. He may as well not use them at all. It could be Sydney. It could be Sydney, or it could be somebody else. I don't think we need more characters introduced, do we? Yeah, but it could be like the dark or the, the whatever the thing they're trying to summon, or I don't know. No, that's true. I assumed it was Ashley, but you're right; it might not be Ashley. Well, I, it would have been. It would make sense that it was Ashley, except for the fact that her eyes went red. Samantha then stands up, and Guildenstern says it has passed. Then, while Rosencrantz walks away, he finishes with, "We join with Tiga, and they leave." The camera moves to Ashley, and we resume gameplay. We're in this courtyard. Yeah, you go to the workshop, and the workshop is Keen's Crafts. I said we're in the workshop. And there's an interesting thing about Keen. Keen is a, an, an anglicization of an Irish name, or a Gaelic name, a Celtic name, which is derived from the Irish version is O'Cohane, or which means co, which means a battle or a fight. Literally, it's, it's, it's if you want to translate it, it's fighter's crafts. So it makes sense to the workshop, Keen's Crafts. The same way that, uh, what is it? Somebody would be named after what their profession is. Cooper? Like a Cooper, yeah. Cooper, a person who makes barrels. Or a Fletcher, um, who, you know, who makes arrows, fletching for arrows. Or a, a Milner, yeah, yeah mi- a person who makes yeah, hats. Yeah, Miller, Milner. Um, so yeah, Butcher, Keen's Crafts. Yeah. So that makes would, would make sense that Keen, you know, from the, the Irish word ca, meaning fight or battle. Yeah. Keen's Crafts. Nice. We're involved in weapons. Yeah. To review that section, I didn't particularly enjoy the forest. I did. I did like the final boss fight, though. That was very interesting. Yeah. It was, you know, four people on the screen. I mean, that's quite. Um, it's pushing the PlayStation very technically. This game. That's why the areas are quite small because it really yeah. does push the PlayStation. I mean, it had um, spec wise. I think it had thirty-three megahertz processor and two megabytes of RAM. So it is next to nothing, especially nowadays. Yeah. No, I mean, 2 on 2 is, was obviously interesting to see in a game from that era. Although, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure there were some 2 by 2s in Metal Gear as well. Did you not have a situation? Did Marl and Snake not fight somebody together? I can't remember. Yeah, Psycho Mantis, but it was 2 on 1. 2 on 1, okay. Well, there's other games that, that push a lot of characters on screen. Resident Evil 3 Nemesis pushed a lot of characters. But from memory, that was pre-rendered drawn backgrounds. So it wasn't polygonal backgrounds or polygonal characters. The biggest thing, I think this this section opens up a lot of the, the story now to kind of getting answers or getting towards answers. Yeah. We said last week that Sydney was grey as opposed to black in terms of affinity. And he's even more grey than ever at this point, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to work out what anybody wants from what's going on now. I mean, there's a lot of characters who seem to be out for themselves or have ulterior motives or other agendas or they're playing each other off. Yeah, I would say Rosencrantz, Guildenstern and Sydney all have the same end goal. They're trying to find this key or or the Grand, grand Grimoire or both. 
while Ashley seems to kind of be pursuing Sydney now, but he just seems to be running along for the ride. But then why, what was Sydney's again? What, what's his dealings with the Duke and why did he take his son? Where's this Cardinal guy? Will we ever see him? What's his purpose in all of this? You know, what's the VKP? What's their, if they have brainwashed Ash into being this tool for them, what's their motives in all of this as well? It's, 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 it's a bit crazy. I just thought of one thing. Maybe Ash is a Mullenkamp person that was taken and they brainwashed him. That's a nice theory. That's a very nice theory. Maybe, maybe Sydney already has a rapport with Ashley. Yeah, maybe. And the only way he can get him to get back to who he was or remember who he was is to make him chase him and get him to unlock those memories. Hmm. Maybe that's his motive. I don't know. You've played the game before, though, so you will know. I don't. Uh, I do not remember a lot past this point, unfortunately. I remember the next battle, and maybe as I go on, my memory might jog a bit more, but I think we're getting towards the limit of where I was last time. So you're like Ash. Yeah. You're getting the memories. Although I could have sworn that I did about 10 or 11 hours previously, and I think we're only at about 8 hours now of gameplay. Maybe it took you longer to do stuff back then. 20 years of practice. So that's it for this evening. We get to the save point, save our progress, and return to the real world. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook as Retrospective Replay and also Twitter as at Retro Replay Pod if you want to like and follow us. You can also email us at retrospectivereplay at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or patch notes. Until next week, good night and Godspeed. <laughs>